So if you've not um, been here for the past few weeks, just go on our YouTube, our Spotify, and go catch us up, up, up to date. But last week, we spoke about David. The person who everyone knew him as the, as the guy that slayed the giant. But there was a version of him before that no one really speaks about. When he was tending to the sheep. When his own father even recognized him as a run. Last week we spoke about that person. This week we're still speaking about him. But we're speaking about him when he slays the giant. And I feel like there's things that we can learn from that story. So let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. And I'm reading from the NLT version of the Bible. I'm going to give us five seconds to get there. <laughs> if you're not there, it's on the board. Then Goliath, I want to say Goliath. Goliath. A Philistine champion from Gath. No, no, it's cool, soon. <laughs> came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. I want to say nine feet tall. Nine feet tall. He, wore a, he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted across to the Israelites, why are you all coming to fight me? I am the Philistine champion. But you are only, everyone say you are only. The servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. So even though what is happening in the scripture is 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 describing who this person is. It's describing how great the opposition was. A man that was nine feet tall, had stuff that weighed 125 pounds. It was describing that as for this opposition, in the natural, it's great and mighty. But look what the opposition says. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. My first point, if you're right, let's write this point down. In the season of all things new, do not allow the opposition to tell you your worth. I'm going to say that again. In the season of all things new, do not allow the opposition to tell you your worth. The opposition comes and says, but you are only. In case you didn't know, let me remind that you are only. I am this. I'm this great man. But you are only. But in the season of all things new, do not allow the opposition to tell you your, your worth. And the opposition, it can be many, many things. It could be popular opinion. What culture says. What culture describes you. What culture describes as, bro, how can you do that? You're only this. Like, don't you know that to do A, B, and C, you need your only? It could be hear this. It could be familiar faces. Those that have been around you the longest. So much that they've become so familiar with your gift, yeah, that sometimes that's 
the voice that sometimes the enemy could use. Because they've been in your space for so long, they have your ear the most. So sometimes, yeah. <laughs> now, there can be moments where those that are closest to you, they can value you the least. And they can say things, and you're like, raw, like, if my best friend is saying this, maybe surely there's some truth to it. But let, let, <laughs> and sometimes this is how the enemy works in our life. Which is why when Jesus was speaking to Peter, and Peter says, yo, Jesus, you can't go and die. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. He was not calling Jesus, Peter, Satan, but the spirit behind what he was saying. And this is Jesus' boy, who walked with him, ate with him. They'd done miracles together. And Jesus still said, as for what you're saying now, Peter, this isn't you. There's a spirit that's trying to speak through you because it knows you have my ear. Don't verify by the who. Verify by the what. I'm going to say that again. Don't verify by who is saying it. Verify by what they are saying. But this... Is this, is this in line with what God you have said? Is this in line with your word? Because sometimes those that are closest to you can value the least because they've become too familiar with you. David knew this the whole time. There was a king in the household, but the family didn't even know it. Because sometimes those that are closest to you can value the least. So the opposition, it can be culture. It could be familiar faces. It could be the enemy, the deceptive voice. But sometimes, everybody says, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes the greatest opposition to the call of God on your life, it ain't even the enemy. It's the enemy. Sometimes you are the greatest opposition to the call of God in your life. How many times have we disqualified ourselves from something that the Lord is asking us to do because we feel that we are only? Sometimes it ain't even popular opinion. Sometimes not familiar faces. Sometimes it's not even the enemy. But the greatest opposition to the call of God in your life is yourself. It's not the enemy. It's the enemy. And we have to recognize when we are against us. Sometimes I, I look in the mirror and I say, Simon, that fool's not you. That is fear speaking. Simon, don't text that girl. That's lust talking. Because <laughs> sometimes if you don't check yourself, yourself would lead you in a direction that is opposite to what the Lord wants to do in your life. So all I'm trying to say is this. In the season of all things new, do not allow the opposition to tell you your worth. So the story goes on and, and it's something like, like this. So Goliath is saying that, but you are only the servants of, of Saul. Pick one man to come and fight me. But then he goes, the person that you pick, if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. 
I defy the armies of Israel today. It was say today. Send me a man. This guy fully well knew that there was more one in the army that could stand with him. Send me a man. Well, he knew in the physical, in the natural, but little did he know. Anyways, I can't get ahead of the sermon. I defy the army of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. It was the agenda of Goliath to incite fear on Israel. As if he has more power than he actually does. And this is how the enemy moves in our life. <laughs> Comes with threats and situations and seasons to scare us as if what he's doing in our life actually carries some sort of power. But look what it, it says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour. What caught my attention here is that the Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Meaning he's not actually one. But he, <laughs> he imposes himself as if he is one. To incite fear in you. To make you feel like what he's doing in your life, it carries weight and it carries power. If we write, if we write, 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 this point, write this point down. In a season of all things new, the threat is just loud, not powerful. The threat that seems as if it's coming against your life, whatever it may be, it's just loud. It's not pow powerful. It can be coming from all different directions. The next day you hear bad news. The same week you got you get sacked from your job. The next day someone is all loud. It's all barking no back. It's just loud, not powerful. And this is what the enemy does to us. So so that we we cancel out our own self because he projects things greater than they actually are to incite fear into us. I'm here to remind you or let you know for the very first time that he is like a roaring lion. He's not actually a roaring lion. Because the threat is just loud, not powerful. And there's some things in our life that ha happens and it carries some sort of power. Let's be real. Sometimes they're thinking, they're thinking, this one is a bit, it's crazy. But even though it carries some sort of power, it don't carry all power. It's not powerful. It's not full of power. Because there's something above it. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who has all power. So there's no situation or season in your life where, there's, where the power of God can't overcome it. So all, all I'm trying to say is, in the season of all things new, the threat is just loud, not pow powerful. So God alive sets the scene now. I'm Goliath. Send one man to come and fight me. The Bible says that the whole of Israel were afraid. But look what happens next. Enter David. Everyone say, enter David. He was the youngest son of Jesse, the Ephrathite, yeah, from Bethlehem in Judah. And I, I love how the Bible says, enter David, as if the scene is about to shift. 
Because David was a carrier of the presence of God. David had dominion. So when he enters into a place, the Bible has to recognize, enter David. As if the answer has arrived. As if the solution has arrived. Because David carried the presence of God. And all I'm trying to say is this, in this season, wherever you step through it, that is your enter. Your workplace, that's your enter. Your school, that is your enter. Your family home, that is your enter. Because you carry the presence of God. Things have to happen when you approach there. Not because of you, but greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The scripture says, enter. So my next point. In a season of all things new, don't knock, enter. Wow. <laughs> don't knock. It's not now you're about to question. Have I got dominion or not in this area? It's not now you're about to question if you carry the presence of God. But, but do you know why a lot of bel believers don't enter like they have domin dominion? It's because they know where they truly dwell. They want to carry the presence of God without being found in the presence of God. They want the hand of God, but not the heart of God. And this is why we, we, we are unsure. Because we know that for, for, the, for the past week, we know what we've been entangling ourselves in. So you approach a place and you're not even aware of the fact that you have dominion. Because the presence of God ain't seen you. The reason why we, we're, we're not confident that we carry the presence of God is because we aren't even found in the presence of God. Because the Lord can be with you. Yeah? It's one thing for the Lord to be with you. It's another thing for you to be aware of the fact that he's with you. Because when you spend time with him, your spiritual, what's the word? Sensor is heightened. So there's certain things that no one needs to convince you of anymore. You already know. But many of us, because God don't have dominion over our time, because he don't have dominion over our space, because he don't have dominion over our environment, where he's supposed to have dominion over you, he competes. He's fighting for your time. He's fighting for your agenda. He's fighting for a devotion. And you wonder why there's people that don't walk with the authority that they ought to. It's because they're not found in the place that they ought to be. In the presence of God. Because the Bible always says that, and the Lord was with David. The Lord was with David. The Lord was with David. But maybe it's because David was always with the Lord. So all I'm trying to encourage us today, in the season of all things new, don't knock, enter. But for you to be aware that you can enter, you have to be found in the presence of God. So now the Bible says, enter David, David, David now. And his dad asks him to go send food to the people, like the brothers who are on the field. 
And I found this very interesting because last week we found out that David was anointed king. Yeah. <laughs> but David was anointed king. The next step was not for him to go onto the palace. It was to pick up the feces of the sheep that he just left. But many of us, we doubt the promise of God over our life because the season that we are currently in, it doesn't match up. David was anointed king, but yet he still had to go through a process. David was anointed king at 15. He didn't enter the palace till he was 30. And many of us doubt the call of God, the word of God over our life because it don't happen immediately. But the fact that you are anointed for the platform, it don't mean that the platform will be your next step. It's where you're heading though. It don't mean that it's the next step though. So if you're right now, write this point down. The promise remains true. Time just needs to catch up. And I don't know who this is for. He's been waiting on a promise from the Lord for some time. That God, I swear you said in 2015 that and it's 2024 and I ain't really seen the promise remains true time just needs to catch up David was anointed king but the next step was not for him to go to the palace but to go back to the same sheep imagine the type of humility that David had to have to know he's anointed king but still go pick up the feeders of the sheep. Because David was not looking for the platform. His heart was all about service. So, 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 the Bible says that he comes from the sheep and the, that, that says, yo, go and give this food to, your, to, your, to the people that are at, at war. And this is when he bumps into Goliath. David was not looking for Goliath. David was never the type of person to look for <coughs> to look for the come up. But it found him. So when he said in Psalm 23 that goodness and mercy, it follows me, he meant it. David was never looking to be to be to, to be promoted. David was never lo looking to be elevated. But as a result of him being with the Lord, those things that we strive to get, it was looking out for him. God always had him in position to be to be elevated because of his heart. So he comes there and meets Goliath and look what the Bible says. David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, I hear this man talking bears, you know, but what's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is? This is, a, this is a guy that's a teenager. The big men on the battlefield who were terrified. Look at this young guy's attitude. Who is this guy anyways? This uncircumcised Philistine <laughs> taught him the armies of the living God. What I found so interesting about this part of the story is because is, 
in the but battle up until this 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 point everyone made it about themselves Goliath is like I'm about to win I'm nine feet tall I got a bronze there are Saul and the armies of Israel they were afraid Saul said I, I can't lose to this guy because if I lose what does that say about my reign as king David was the only one who, who did not make himself the focus point. He said, he didn't say, what does this say about me? He says, what does this say about God? Who are you anyways? Not to defy me, not to, but to defy the armies of the living God. <laughs> so whilst everyone made it about themselves, God made it about God. Because God, because David lived a life surrendered to the purposes of God. My, my next point. In the season of all things new, live a life of surrender. Live a life of, of live a life surrendered to, to God. God, I'm surrendered to your agenda. God, I'm surrendered to your agenda for my life. God, I'm submitting myself. I'm coming sub under your mission. I'm surrendering my flesh. This is the hardest part for everyone here, even me. There's certain fleshly parts of me that I'm struggling to surrender to God. But if you're going to live a life that God has called you to live, you have to surrender the very thing that lives with you. The flesh ain't something that you can cast out. Demons you cast out. Your flesh you crucify. Every day you wake up, you need to put it to death. There's no, there's no anointing for this. There's no anointing for this. You need to choose. But I feel, I feel like cussing them. I feel like, but because I'm surrendered to the purpose of God, flesh. And I just want to take this moment to encourage a person who they're struggling to submit a certain part of their flesh to God. Whatever that area is, you know it. But the reason why he's asking us to surrender our flesh to him is actually because he needs you. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke 19.30. Jesus is talking to his disciples here and he says, go into the village ahead, ahead, ahead of you. There, as you enter... You will find a coat tied, bound, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? This is what you are to say. The Lord has need of it. The reason why you, you are supposed to be free from that addiction is because the Lord has need of you. The reason why there's not supposed to be any area that you're kept bound is because the Lord has need of you. The reason why them thoughts and those things can't dominate your life is because the Lord has need of you. Jesus says, go and untie that donkey that is bound. Not for any reason, but for the reason of this. I need it. Because you being bound keeps you stagnant. You cannot advance if you're bound. So Jesus says, untie it 
and bring it to me because the Lord has need of it. So I just want to encourage you as we're on this walk to, to, to together, even me, let's surrender our flesh because the Lord has need of us. So look what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17. So David sees all this that is happening and he says, Master, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go fight this Philistine. So answered him and said, you can't go and fight him. First of all, we're too young. And secondly, we're inexperienced. And thirdly, he's been fighting at this since before you were born. David said, I hate what you're saying. <laughs> Trust me, I hear it. But what you... What you don't know, King, is that I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, lay its neck, and I killed it. Lion or bear, it didn't make a difference. I killed it. See, this is why you're not supposed to discount any season of your life. Even though David was tending to the sheep, God was giving him experiences. God was giving him, uh, he, was, he was molding him. If not for that experience, how would he have said here? that I've been a shepherd and the Lord defending me then. So this is why if you read Psalm here and he says that the Lord is my shepherd, David was the perfect person to say that bar because he knows what a, a shepherd does. That what, uh, that what I do for my sheep, that's what the Lord does for me. David said I've been a shepherd. So what if I told you that even though in the natural, Goliath was their favorite, in the spiritual realm, he was not the favorite. David was. And he, and he goes on and, and, and says, and I will do the same, everyone say, I'll do the same, to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of the living God. Hear this. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. David said, the God who the God who delivered, he remembered what the Lord had done. And many of us, the reason why we're paralyzed in our faith is because when it comes to the character of God, we forget. And we somehow get um, amnesia. As if, Lord, as if the Lord is a rookie scale God. As if he's scratching his head in heaven thinking, I've never seen this one before. <laughs> David said, the God who delivered. Even if, <clears throat> the God who delivered. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves in seasons that it feels like, where did this, this provision come from? The God who provided. I've seen him provide for my mom. I've seen him provide for me when no one else did. 
you have to remember. You have to remember what God has done. Because we forget that the same God. But it's interesting how not only did he remember, he said that the same God who delivered is going to deliver me. So not only did he, he, he did it in the past, he's going to do it today. Because it's one thing to know that he did. It's one thing to know that he will. But it's another thing to know that he still does today. My next point. In the season of all things new, how I view God in the moment matters. Because what if I told you that the God you see is the God that you get? Notice how I didn't say that the God that the God you see is the God that He is. But the God you see is the God that you get. The scripture says that even Jesus, yeah, he went to his hometown. And the Bible says he was not able to do a lot of miracles because they only saw him to be the carpenter's son. If you're seeing Jesus to be the carpenter's son, he'll fix your house. But if you see him to be Jesus, he'll fix your life. So what was available for all, only few were able to receive because of the God that they saw. How you view God in the moment matters. And this is why you need to have, as, as Mommy said, a personal relationship with, with God. So he can show you who he is. Because in seasons and situations, it's the knowledge that you have of God that would keep you afloat. How you view God in the moment matters. So he says that, bro, you don't know that when I used to tend to the sheep, God used to deliver me and he would deliver me again. Look what Saul says. Saul, Saul says, okay, cool. Since you want to go, do your thing. Then Saul, then Saul said, then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in the armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could barely walk. And he said to him, Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Everyone said he took it all off. Because David was not about to try and imitate what looked like worth for others. He was so confident in his skill set, in his anointing, that he had no desire to look like or try to become something else. He did not compare himself. Oh, my days. Because, you know, one of the fastest ways to kill something that the Lord is birthing in your life is to compare it. One of the fastest ways to kill the seed that the Lord is, has planted in your life is to compare to someone else's tree. That tree is even sown in, in disobedience. But here you are comparing yourself. You love the way you look. Until you went on Instagram and you saw, you loved the way you sounded. You loved the way your video looked. Until you went and you saw something else. The greatest way to kill something that the Lord is doing is to compare it to something else. My next point. In the season of all things new, comparison is your enemy. 
and I'm not talking about the comparison that you compare and, and you're inspired. That one is cool. But you know the comparison that I'm talking about. That you feel less of yourself because of what some... <laughs> David said, I have no desire to compare myself and look like them. And he took it all off. So he took it all off here and he goes and gets his five stones and a sling. And he approaches... Goliath with five stones in a sling. Now, if I'm Goliath, I'm thinking, yo, like, this is barbecue chicken right now, like. <laughs> you're coming against me with f- stones? Like, no. And then the Philistine ridiculed David and said, am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods and said, come on, I'll make a road kill of you and I'll turn you into a tasty muscle for the four mice. David answered, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. God loves you when you boast in him. God will not have a scratch his head with David. <laughs> This guy wants to pass in trouble, you know. God loves it when you boast in him. But many of us don't boast in God. Just in case. Which like Josh, I loved when you came here and you said that you're going to sell out the OT one day. God's not in heaven thinking, how would I make this happen? He's saying that if secular people can how much more one that wants to do it for my kingdom? God loves it when you boast in him. If you decide to do it or not, that's a part of a sovereign plan. But I will not be paralyzed in this moment because I don't have a guarantee. God loves it when you boast in him. But many of us are not allowed with our faith because just in case you don't do it, as if God has ever needed you to protect his reputation. It's not because of you that he will be known as a liar. It's not because of you that he will now be known as a failure. God has never needed you to protect who he is. So if you're about to be loud with your faith, be loud with it. If he does it or not, God, you're good regardless, but I'm still going to declare David said, you come at me with all that you have. I'm coming to you representing God. But many of us are not allowed with our faith for a just in case. Let me tell you about an, a guy that was blind in Mark chapter, chapter 10. And we need this attitude. Mark 10 verse 46. When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jer- Jericho, a large crowd them. Upon leaving, they met a blind beggar who sat on the side of the road named Timai, the son of Timai. Named Timai, the son of Timai. Maybe with the junior, I don't know. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now I'm in affliction. Heal me. Those in the crowd were in and they scolded him for making so much of a, of, a, of, a dis, of a disturbance. But he kept on shouting with all his might, 
son of mercy, son of David, have mercy on me and him. Jesus, Jesus stopped him. Wait, Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they went to the blind man and he said, have courage. Get up. Jesus called call you. Next slide. So he threw off his beggar's cloak. Now pause. The cloak that he was wearing, it was a cloak that indicated that you were sick. That there was something that was wrong with you. <laughs> the Bible says when Jesus said come, his first step was to take off the cloak and he threw it away. But many of us, this is what we do. We hold it for just in case. Just in case God don't really come through. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is this. In the scene of all things new, get rid of your just in case. And as a prophetic sign of this point, I'm getting rid of my just in case. Get rid of your just in case. So the, the, so, so, um, the next verse is like this. And he goes to him and says that. This very day, I want to say this very day. God is handing you over to me. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Because there's certain things that we allow to let over, over run in our life. But David said, this very day, God is, handing, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you, cut off your head, and serve up your body to the crowd and to the coyotes. The whole earth will know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone here will learn that God, he don't save by means of sword and spear. The battle belongs to God. And he is handing you over to me on a platter. This roused him, and he started to, to to walk towards David. David, when 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 Goliath took a step to, towards David, the Bible says David ran towards him. He didn't chat back. We're like, you know what? You're just give me a second. Let me really think about this. When he took one step towards David. The Bible said that David ran towards him, and he reached into his pocket for a stone, he slung it, and he hit him right in the forehead, deeply, and he crashed down face down in, in, into the dirt. This is how David beat the Philistine, with a sling and a stone. He hit him and he killed him. Look what the last word says. There was no sword for David. If you read on the story, it lets you know that he cut off his head. Wow. How? There was no sword in his hand. But he used the enemies. Those that come and they think they're setting a trap for, for you, they're setting a trap for their own self. The Bible had to indicate there was no sword in David's hand. I can't I can't really because of time. And see, this is this is this is this is the thing. When you took the Five stones, yeah? Just imagine him taking the stones and going on his way to fight. If he met people along the, the way, so they told him, like, like, brother, like, I know you believe in God in that, but come on, just be practical here. 
How are you about to take five stones to go fight someone that has a sword in his, in his, in his spear? But he said, yo, my skill set, what I do, I do. I don't need you to believe it. I don't need you, I, I don't need your confirmation. I know what I am anointed for. And I know how I am anointed to do it. So you can use your spears. You can use your sword. But as for me, I'm going to use my five stones. David did not try to do something else. David did not try to, uh, he didn't try to become someone else. Because he knew this, my last point. In the season of all things new, your anointing is in your authenticity. And I need somebody to hear this very loud and clear. That your anointing is in you being authentically you. The way that you speak. The way you do your, you don't need to become something else to do what he's asked you to do. Your anointing is in your authenticity. Don't watch. Let them use their, their, their swords and spears. I use stones. Because this is what God has trained me to do. And the Bible said that this is how he defeated Goliath. If he would have went to that field with the, with the sword and the helmet, he would have lost. But he had full dependency on God and full confidence in how he has been made. That's what made him win. So it's just my prayer today that as we round up, there's a lot of things that you can take from the sermon, which is, which is cool. But I, what I really want you to leave here today is knowing that your anointing is in you being your authentic self. Don't compare. Jess, the way that you are, the way that you dress, the way that you look, the way that you speak, God has craftily made you for such a time as this. Josh, the way that you are, your, the way that you dress, with your Dr. Martins and your... Hey! <laughs> Kelly, the way that you are, Summer, the way that you look, Samuel, the way that you talk, Yasmin, the way your hair is. <laughs> I, love, I love your hair, by the way. <laughs> but all I'm trying to say is this. You are uniquely crafted for such a time as this. And you don't need to compare yourself because you're anointing is new being authentic. Fine, let's fast off here and pray.